السلام عليكم السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله How's everything? Good, Alhamdulillah. How are you? Good. Good. How was your day so far? Uh, has lockdown treating you? Uh, uh, well, it's not bad. As long as we can go for a bit of a walk outside, get some fresh air and, you know, hope for the end soon. It's all right. What else is new? Um, nothing really new, just, uh, you know, projects uh, that we work on changes, the daily focus, um, you know, just trying to bring some variety of different, uh, things that we do every day and, uh, make it interesting. What about yourself? What's keeping uh, you busy? Not much. Um, it's just mostly a, a job search at the moment. Yeah, how's that going? It's still going. Yeah, yeah it's tough. It's a not very job friendly environment. This no, one, no, unfortunately, no. Just seeing for some reason you're very loud. Um, no, I'll leave it. So Look, uh, basically, we've got uh, a bunch of questions, and uh, I'm thinking we can do a frequently asked questions for Islamic finance. What are your thoughts? Anything you want. Anything. I, I'm... All right, firstly... I'm okay with anything. Let me ask you this question. This is probably going to be your fourth Kalamcast episode, by the way. So you're the most. Uh, so we start. This this is the start, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. basically okay. the way I like to start is to make it very natural. I like I don't like to tell people, but uh, but uh, basically, look, um, this is probably the fourth episode that you, we've had you on, and you're the most prolific guest in terms of Kalamcast so far, and. Uh, I think I want to do something very different this time over, inshallah. We want to talk about uh, Islamic finance frequently asked questions, right? But before we do, uh, I want to ask you something that I have a brief understanding of, but I'd like to hear from you personally. And that is, what is your attraction to Islamic finance in the first place? Well, I, I think it's a combination of the fact that everything is connected to finance one way or another. So you find yourself connected with anything, whether that is for-profit or not for-profit activity. There is element of finance. There is element of thinking how to put yourself in situation to enable someone else to do some work, whether that is, again, profit or non-for-profit. Usually stumbling block is how to arrange whether it's financial contracts or how to finance it or how to think of the money in any project as a oxygen, oxygen of the project. And so there are a lot of ideas out there, a lot of smart people, and sometimes money uh, does not allow a lot of people to sort of scale up those ideas. 
So my attraction is really seeing economy uh, that can function and produce goods and services to support our lifestyle kind of thing. So that's what uh, I, I feel it's connected to economy, but also social well-being of the community, um, ability to, to care, take care of different problems and issues that we have, making the whole society better if the people who, who are dealing with these kinds of things are involved in, in producing what we are consuming. Okay. So I know you've got a master's degree in Islamic finance. Uh, what kind of other sorts of training have you sought in the past previously? Well, I started teach uh, learning uh, just like locally uh, with your in your local mosque, your classes, uh, typical classes where you would uh, do uh, like a basic understanding of uh, what is what A B C D you know, where you read the uh, hadith by hadith and, you know, you go and discuss these kind of things. And um, and then you start learning from other people, whichever way you, you can, uh, traveling or, or attending uh, classes to seek more specialized form of this knowledge. And then by involving yourself and then doing your own research, you come up with a um, bit more broader perspective and then from then onwards really you are independently trying to put these things in perspective uh, a lot of things are uh, in in the books or in our classrooms are based on the simple classical uh, sort of scenarios and much of what we are discussing is about bridging that gap to understand contemporary like modern transactions the things that we know translate to the things that we do today and that sort of require a bit more thinking and um, a little bit different perspective mm, okay all right so without any further ado do you want to get into these questions anything you want anything. okay <laughs> all right so this is the big question uh-huh how are islamic how are how Islamic are our Islamic financial institutions? Uh, you mean like in in uh, sort of globally or in Australia or what? Well, let's uh, start off uh, locally and then develop into something globally, a global discussion. Hmm. So financial product that we see on offer will depend very much um, who is financing that and what uh, risks they are willing to take or what they want to get out of it and also legal framework under which you operate and so it's easy to imagine perfect sharia compliant product but once you hit practicality you you have a finance people you have a people uh, you have regulators and 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 so to bring these together, it's not an easy task. So often uh, I would say that you have a, maybe, let's say, three different levels. You have uh, companies that, let's say, in the space of those who provide Sharia compliance services, you have those who are just simply uh, labeling products that are Sharia compliant, but in reality, there is no difference. Nothing is being done. It's just a ch- play with the names. Then you have those um, who have maybe some deficiencies uh, 
and these deficiencies could be because they cannot do any more than what they are doing or they don't know how to do it or there's some impediment to making it perfect. And then they might mix and match different solutions, try to patch something. And that majority of some finance is in that space. And then there are those who are very, very close to, there is, I don't want to say perfect, but like really, really like they have tangibly done something that is um, really ticking majority of the boxes right. Uh, and 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 of course that that is a challenge. That is something that everybody would like, but it's not an easy to get. So every everyone will fall under these three, and majority would say be in the middle somewhere. And then um, you have to sort of judge whether the, those uh, a little uh, inconsistency or the holes in the product or def- def- deficiencies render the whole thing as problematic or not. Okay, so how can someone discern whether or not something falls under one of these categories that you've mentioned? So this is a challenge because there is a lot of thinking that goes into kind of designing the project and there the, the, our product, and there is a lot of assumptions. Um, you know, these are not a clear cut uh, things. So how do you, for instance, f- for us, for any Islamic finance organization to buy something, um, it's essence of taking possession in order so you can sell it later on and profit from that. Uh, so how do we take possession? Is possession um, something that is just done by offer and acceptance regard- regardless of a legal title? So if I say I buy a car from you or house from you, is it is that enough to satisfy Sharia condition, or do we have to actually transfer the legal title to me before I can sell it? And so there is no clear cut. There is no clear cut. Depending how somebody is thinking, that's how they're going to judge that. And so there is a lot of assumptions that people who are looking at these products and services, they put into these things. And somebody might say, well, it's enough that I said that I'm selling you the car, therefore you can then sell it to someone else. The ownership is passed. Uh, Where somebody might say that's not enough, we need to see legally uh, movement of title, and then you know, and then somebody will come up with a third. They will create some sort of uh, trust or some legal structure that will take ownership for the purposes of reselling. And so everybody will, even the small piece like that, everybody will be. Uh, thinking differently and doing it differently to satisfy that condition. So um, what was there again? We were trying to get to this question. What, how do we discern uh, the difference? How do we discern? Yeah, so so to, to, to figure out where does that fall, one would have to form their own opinion about each one of these bits and pieces. If you are not usually thinking about it, it will be very difficult for you. But if you are somebody who is already in that space, whether as a scholar or expert, you need to spend some time understanding what are the principles that underpin this, and then you weigh in, you know, are we, are we having too much of something that is, not, that is making the whole transaction fall apart? Okay. Or is there some space that, that, that we can still navigate? So you, you, it would have to be an exercise in judgment. It's not just clearly like most of the people think, oh, it's a riba or not riba. There is 100 different pieces 
other than riba that can be that you need to weigh in and and then make a judgment about it so it's not a simple thing it's it's a, it's a complex and it is a judgment call in terms of other questions that uh, some of uh, the listeners or people on the forum were asking the question here is what's the difference between rental rate and interest rate what makes one halal and the other haram so this is one of those uh, common questions uh, which is basically uh, when we are talking about interest and uh, profit uh, uh, why is trade permissible and what is the trade and why is riba not permissible and what is riba so this comes down to understanding that in islamic law there is a very simple idea and we're going to very much simplify this issue so that anyone can understand and even apply it in their own life so if you think about whenever me and you exchange anything buying and selling or or trading something whenever uh, you giving me something, let's call that subject matter. And whenever I'm paying you for that something, let's call that consideration or payment. So we have in the contract, these two things that we are exchanging. I'm buying something from you, that's a subject matter. And I'm paying something, that's called consideration. So whenever these two things are, let's say, different, uh, one is non-monetary asset, let's say a house or a car or anything like that, service, Whenever I'm, I'm, I'm buying that, that's the subject matter. And the consideration or payment is something like monetary, let's say money. This is what we call normal business transaction. So the subject matter and consideration, do, those two things, exchange in contracts are different in nature. Whenever we buy and sell these two things, this is what we call normal trade. And it is permissible to make profit from that trade. So whenever you exchange goods and service against money, and res- a result of that is the profit, that's what Islam wants to see. Uh, that's the es- essence of doing business. That's how ownership of goods and services that are generated are passed to me through the sale. Okay, so now, very generally speaking, when we exchange two things that are same or similar, so the subject matter and consideration are, let's say, both money, I'm giving you one money for another money. Now, let's say we're talking about exactly same currency, Australian dollar you give as a subject matter in a contract and Australian dollar as a subject matter in consideration. So I'm selling now money rather, as, rather than commodity. Now, when we're exchanging same for same like that, in this instance... Any profit is still profit, but it's what we call illegitimate profit, illegitimate gain. And that gain that is not legitimate, that comes from money for money transaction, is what we call uh, illegitimate gain of riba. So that so riba is also profit, but it comes from the transaction that itself is not legitimate transaction for profit. So we would say money for money is more like in this case, like let's say a loan or something where you, money for money, it's more like a benevolent. It's a transaction where you shouldn't be making money. Where transaction where you are, let's say, leasing or selling property, it's transaction where you can make money. So any kind of transaction where you have uh, renting the house or you you buying the house in installments, this is a type of contract where your subject matter is the house or right to use the house. They, therefore, 
the gain rent in form of the rent or uh, buying in installments that house is legitimate profit from asset where once you give money as a loan which is case in conventional uh, finance uh, you you are not buying the house you are not buying anything that is as a collateral in the contract in that case it's a simple contract of money for money and therefore that that would be the interest then so i hope that that uh, kind of uh, give some sense to uh, when you sell money as a commodity and when you sell commodities for profit this is where it comes down basically and uh, i'm sure that question or the answer rather can be explained even in greater detail i'm sure you have the knowledge and capacity to do that but obviously we have uh, more questions that require uh, being addressed uh, among them is novated leasing for vehicles what is the islamic ruling behind this and how can it be uh, explained i suppose so if we follow from this concept that that i just said in uh, in any lease lease is something that we see around ourselves people leasing uh, equipment cars anything you want so this core of the lease is that is permissible why it is permissible because what you are exchanging in a contract of lease is a right to use property so that is the asset that is not monetary asset that's not money so you are exchanging something that is not money for money and therefore it's permissible to exchange these two things and gain some and and make some profit so there there is no interest in lease because it's not money for money i'm owner of the car i'm giving you the right to use the car and then you pay me for that a novated lease is like i i there, there are a lot of different types of leases and so on so from what i have seen from what i read uh, it's basically paying with your pre-tax money uh you, you're paying for these uh, services and 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 therefore um as a general rule i don't see anything that is problematic in that idea now when you get to the bits and pieces um you could have some little issues here and there like for example typical problem with most of the leases let's say for the card is that they would have a um, late penalty fee so this is a problematic uh, and why is that problematic because once you uh, once your rent is due on your lease so let's say you have supposed to uh, pay 100 so now this become due 100 is due so you don't pay it in a p- period that that they fix for you then they will add 10 dollars now that 10 dollars is 10 dollars on your debt now that is a different transaction now now the transaction on debt and that is by the way found in any of your whether it's your phone bill or electricity bill or your school fees or anything like that once you have established a debt that you need to pay from any of these contracts so you own someone 100 dollars to pay and they increase that 100 to 110 that's interest okay so the late fees like that they are interest and so in these contracts of lease just like in anything else you would have these clauses that are not permissible now again depending how you think about this and that uh if if you can avoid these things and you are certain you're going not going to get into these uh some scholars would say that uh this is then permissible to enter 
uh, there are some scholars who in the past used to say, when they're talking about credit cards, that if you are certain that you're not going to fall into traps uh, of interest and so on, you, you, you could use that. Of course, this is required different discussion. Whole piece is com- more complex than that. But I'm just saying that uh, these contracts might have those holes, these conventional leases, where uh, from what I have seen, they are problematic, but I generally see that there are a lot of people who would say that uh, if if you if you are sure that you're gonna avoid some of these traps, you're not gonna fall into them, and there is a particular need that you need to satisfy, that it might might be something that uh, that you might engage in, and the similar case, cases in uh, all of those uh, uh, twelve months interest-free purchases, even your bank account, they, they, as I said it would have some of these conditions, your phone bill and so on. So there is that level of awareness and how can I avoid it uh, knowing that there is no perfect situation. We are all uh, surrounded with what we call like a dust of riba. So we want to make sure that we don't fall into, into these bit, uh, into, into under the dust and, and serious trouble. Mm. Another question is asking about the permissibility of insurance and what degree is actually permissible in terms of comprehensive versus third party. Mm. Uh, he's also wanting to know if, uh, if insurance is permissible, then what types are acceptable? And he lists examples, car, home, pet, life, etc. Mm. I, I never heard of pet insurance, but... You need it, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so this is a tricky one. Uh, and again, uh, starting from the broad principle, my idea is always to educate people. This is what is happening. This is what the problem is. And then you make your own like informed decision, whether you want to engage in any of these questions I'm answering. Is you engage... If and, and you consult somebody you trust, your imam, your person of uh, that you consult normally, you engage, but you are informed. And so when I'm talking about whether it's a normal average person or a scholar, I think my I see my role as somebody who puts the card on the table and say, look, this is what's happening. This is a problem. This is maybe not a problem. This is this, that. And so when we make a decision to engage or not, we are informed. to what we are entering. So the origin of insurance, as we have today, in Islamic finance, we have takaful, which is a different concept of sharing the risk. Typical insurance is risk transfer for a fee. And so we have a situation where you are paying money for somebody to give you more money and also uncertain amount of money in the future. So it's inherently, let's say, most of insurance contracts are there for money for money contracts. Now, there are some contracts of some kind of insurance uh, where you are getting uh, something else. You are not getting money. You might get some kind of a service. For example, let's say ambulance. You, you might uh, uh, you, you, you pay $100 so you get ambulance or roadside assistance or even some form of health insurance where you are getting something, some kind of a service. In these kind of contracts where you are getting service, not the money, 
there is no riba in these contracts. There is uncertainty of how much of that service you are getting, but that's a less of a problem than, for example, uh, type of insurances where you are compensated with money, whether it's a life insurance or income or anything like that, any type of insurance, content, and so on. And so in those cases, you are entering into the clearly the contract money for money. Uh, there is also, and of course, whatever we discuss, you know, it's not a legal or financial advice. You know, I have to say these things because it's a legality that for everything you need to consult your uh, accountant, planner, tax agent, whoever you consult. So this is just for educational purposes, as they say. Um, and therefore, when when I look at this issue of insurance, uh, I would say that some of this, especially when you run a business or anything like that, there are certain insurance that you have to have some kind of liability. You go to your mosque, it will have insurance. You go to your Islamic school, it will have insurance. Uh, you run any type of business, there are heaps of insurance that you have to have. And so I would generally say this is one of those things that you think about your own situation. What is that you have to have? And what is the minimum that you uh, 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 could live with? Uh, and, and you know, if you have a particular situation, probably the best is to consult someone who is a bit more knowledgeable for any kind of specifics. Um, but, um, but that's the range. It's a difference between fully something that engages in interest-based insurance versus when you are getting something else and then again, applying your judgment in between. Just as you were speaking, I looked up pet insurance. It's interesting to note that RSPCA is offering pet insurance. Similarly, Woolworths is offering it. Coles is offering it. Budget Direct is offering it. So it seems to be a thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> They're making money from everything. Really wow. based, these people. Incredible, huh? Yeah. So there's another question which a questioner is asking, and he's curious. He knows that uh, there is a prohibition towards riba and gharar and selling something which is not in your possession. But he's also curious to ask if there are other considerations made in Islamic finance besides these things which we've mentioned. Of course, there are a lot of things. Idea here, uh, whenever you see prohibition, is to pre- prevent some kind of a harm. So you go, for example, um, uh, or let's say auction, somebody is bidding the price for you and you are the seller. This artificially inflates the price, uh, deceives somebody. And so any, anything really that, that comes to the result as, as a deception or where there could be a harm of anything like that, Islam prohibits. So there, there are a lot of these prohibitions. Sometimes they are misunderstood. Like what you said, selling what you don't have. Most of the most of people think that's to do with whether existing thing is sold or not. Where where that is not talking about uh, physical things having existence or not. I'll give you an example. So when scholars talk about selling what you don't have, they, they, you know, example is selling you fish in the water or birds in the sky or something like that. And the reason why they're bringing these examples is that you have no certainty of catching these things and delivering. So it's about uh, certainty of delivering something. It's not about whether this thing exists or not. Like, for example, when you go to buy a cup of coffee 
that cup of coffee doesn't exist. Somebody needs to make it. So if we literally take selling what you don't have, then it would be haram to buy a cup of coffee unless it's already made and sitting and waiting your cappuccino, you know. But we are talking about here, as Ibn Kaim explained, this is something which you have, you have no certainty of delivering. And so you sell something, then you go and try to, to catch, you know. Uh, you don't know whether you're going to get it. But let's say you're printing books on demand, you are certain that you will print it and deliver it, there's no problem. So again, this comes down to really understanding the core reasons as well, and then applying them to your particular transactions as well. So a lot of it is about thinking what context are these prohibitions in, and how does that translate in the modern transactions? So the same questioner is also asking if uh, there is something interesting being done with regards to innovative fintech initiatives or financial technology? Uh, financial technology is interesting. And um, I, I, I'm afraid there is a lot of um, uh, buzz around it as if it's going to solve this and that. Unfortunately, a lot of fintech, what, what it's trying to do is engage with a similar kind of transactions like a conventional uh, banking uh, does, which is to sell you the money or make a profit from selling the money. Uh, now, fintech by itself is is interesting. We all use these apps, uh, whether it's to sell money, send money, pay, uh, in, invest. All of all of the things that help you do something real, something that is useful. That that is a good thing. Uh, but unfortunately, fintech has created a situation where it's become so frictionless to enter into more debt. And, um, and there is a temptation in the world of technology to make money easy way. And the easy way to make money is by creating the loans. That way you don't need to deal with the, the real world. So the fintech that is uh, positive for me would be fintech that is connected with the real world uh, let's say, projects and services. So something where people can invest money together, do something together, crowdfund for something, equity fund. Uh, so there are some examples where uh, a lot of good charity projects are, are, are done by people who were unable before to work together can suddenly work. So technology has some positives. The challenge with it, FinTech is to go for easy money, which is uh, wrap around making money for money which is very tempting in the fintech world and also there is an element of trust because it's a digital platform how do you prevent harm and the trust seems to be a major problem in in fintech it's very interesting i'm sure an episode just by itself can be just on fintech uh, given that it's such a broad field Absolutely, and I'll just tell you, uh, just before you go, I I mean, uh, last time you were having uh, Atif, Brother Atif as a guest, and I had a listen of him talking about, what do you call it, cybersecurity and the crypto and everything. And I thought after that uh, thing is, uh, as he managed digital uh, space and digital type of warfare, how um, you have a crime that is now being committed, Crime was always easy to monetize. 
And you, especially with these uh, cryptocurrency, now you have a situation where you can not only just monetize, but you add final piece, which is you can collect that fee in a digital world without any borders to worry and uh, and uh, and the distance to worry about. So, so economics of crime have have scaled with the introduction of uh, uh, currencies that cannot be traced, and that is a particularly challenging situation. So another questioner asked a question, and I believe that he's got some kind of intention, other intention, other thinking within his question. Hmm. So I think we need to perhaps dissect it before even answering it so we get the proper answer. So he's asking, given the nature of the current Islamic finance options that are available, is it permissible to use them only to the extent of meeting what is necessary to live meaning house in one resides, or is it open and could it be used for investments as well? Okay. So what, what do you think? Uh... Well, I, I believe just judging from the question, he's number one, uh, he's raising the question as to whether or not it is permissible to take the bare minimum. One should take the bare minimum from Islamic finance. Mm. Is that a correct approach to begin with? I also sense a little bit a skepticism uh, uh, about the whole industry, which is not unusual. People are skeptical. Uh, what's the difference? How it is different? And and again, pe- that's people's experience. Uh, globally, there are products where, and, and I have done the whole course, Islamic Finance Clinic, does just dealing with these problematic uh, what I call synthetic transactions, where the the money for money transaction is engineered synthetically to become trade based transaction. Uh, so there is a big trend, uh, and a lot of products uh, that commercialize loan and uh, and through these what I call fake transactions. So that that's that's that is definitely a thing. Um, so with that particular question in mind if i if i if i put it in the context of what is uh on offer from these institutions i would always separate it in two kind of categories one is when you are trying just to get cash from that bank islamic bank and always whenever you just get a cash just get money it's always going to it's always going to be some kind of synthetic transaction you know and i'm always skeptical of those transactions you know uh, and that's a big topic by itself. But whenever institution is uh, selling you a house or leasing you the car or trying to engage in something real where at the end you have a, a thing, real thing that, they, that, that you are buying in installments or entering into some kind of partnership to buy, then there is a real thing that is being financed and then we can kind of work with these things. Uh, so in terms of the questions, how much, I think he's asking how much we can engage. Is that, is that, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Given the States, meaning given this variety of different opinions and scale, how much, um, well, I, I think you engage in whatever you think. If, 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 if you have a product that you are trying to, let's say, buy a house or a car, whether it's your uh, first home or uh, whatever home or investment, and you find something where you are buying that and, and, and people have put 
product together. There is a Sharia board. There is, there is a proper, you see, intention to do it in the best capacity. And you, you have a reason to believe that they have done a good job and they're trying their best. You know, I would be inclined to, to work with that. Uh, you know, I, I get constantly uh, different calls, people buying first house or a fifth house. Uh, people uh, having uh, millions of dollars don't know what they do with this. So, so they have to put that money somewhere. And so if that's within their uh, uh, plan and fits in their uh, portfolio, I, I, I don't see a reason why not to do it. You have to do something. You can't just keep it in your bank. You know, that's, then, then everything is just which bank is that, what they do with that money. So you have a whole heaps of questions. And definitely you can't just keep it under the mattress. The question is also asking the same question. Can Islamic finance be used for investments as well? I guess they're also asking, just I'm interpreting the question, uh, whether or not it's, it's suitable for the purposes or the goals of investment. Uh, if you have organization, Islamic uh, investment organization, and, and they are, let's say, collecting money uh, to invest, uh, that's, that's a, great way, a great way to solve some uh, challenges in society and earn some halal income. So more uh, organizations that we have, uh, you could have simple where you buy, you have some maybe pools of money or funds where they buy already in some companies that might be Sharia compliant and so on. Uh, or you might have a fund where they are doing some project from the uh, from the start. Uh, you also have a situation where groups of people they pull money and then they do something. Whatever way, more you are involved, uh, more you are doing something, and more you understand what your money is doing. That that is something that is encouraged definitely. And so there is nothing wrong as long as you understand, as long as your money is doing something real and creating profit from real economic activities that you share in, there is no profit doing some, no problem doing something like that. Okay. So this is the last question, inshallah. It's from the same questioner. And uh, he wrote, people go to financial planners for advice on how to structure their finances. Realistically in Australia, where can they go if they want guidance on the Islamic permissibility on various transactions they were thinking of entering into uh, these days financial advisors again you know it's a big topic and so on but these often often i would say maybe 80 percent are salespeople. they all they have on the shelf uh solutions and they just ask you some question what's your risk what's your this and that and then they just put you in some category so you have to be mindful i guess uh, what you want from your financial advisor number one is that um and if you are already engaging these services that means that you are more serious uh, you 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 are looking at, uh, at making responsible decisions and so on uh, number one, what you want to have in your financial advisor is somebody who, when they're giving you advice, they're not just telling you do this, 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 but they are kind of like educating you what's what's happening. And I had on my podcast recently one of the fund managers in uh, one of the largest Islamic uh, fund uh, institutions from Saturna. They manage billions of uh, billions of dollars, and he, I asked him, what are the high net worth individuals uh, usually asking you? 
So he said, what they ask me when I invest their money, rich people money, okay, big money. Um, they ask me to tell them about the economy, about my my thinking and, and so on. So, and then they trust my judgment. And so this was interesting because he, as an advisor, had a very active role. And you, as somebody, you are not just blindly following. You want to understand from economy, macro, to the other smaller details, uh, what is happening so that you can make those decisions as well. And uh, in Australia, Australia, I guess uh, people talk to their accountants, other 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 financial planners. Uh, and and I think your job is whoever you normally work and trust to guide you. Uh, you also need to work to educate them. What are the alternatives to invest money, so that if they are independently advising you, that they can advise you within what is permissible. So it's it's a challenge. I, I I know some of these people from time to time contact me. They have the clients or something like that, and they say, "What do I tell them about this about that?" Idea is that especially if these people advisors. Uh, accountant, advisors, and so on are Muslims, they should themselves, first of all, know the rules, just like any business person, anybody dealing with money, as a Muslim, you should know the rules. Uh, all of these, what I'm saying, you should know these things. It's not difficult to learn and figure out. Uh, and the people who are advising, they should know the rules. Like, uh, And they, they, that become uh, you are self-contained unit that can answer these questions, and then you can analyze all right, I want to put my superannuation, I want to buy the house, I want to buy this and that, which which way I go. You know, so, some of these funds might not be uh, technically uh, Islamic finance fund. But you look at, for example, just recently, somebody was sending me and they said, this is, uh, you know, uh, renewable energy and health and this and that fund, would this be? And I, and I had a quick look at the portfolio and I thought like, look, this could be like, you know, something that Muslim might invest in. Now, it was not run by Muslims, but, you know, you have these kind of options. So uh, both sides need to kind of work together. I don't have a name or I cannot really recommend. Nothing comes to my mind, but I know individuals here and there, they have some knowledge and they're trying to work with their clients. So I guess it's your job to educate yourself and also educate whoever you're dealing with uh, about what are the options and what you can do about it. Okay. So I thank you for answering all of these questions, which uh, some of our listeners and people on, on the forum actually asked. And uh, lastly, if someone wants to reach you, how can they contact you if they have more questions or they want to talk about Islamic finance in general? Well, uh, I, I would say that, you know, usual social media and things like that, they can send me the message. And if I, if I know the answer, I'll try to, I uh, try to uh, I try to answer these questions. I get a lot of these questions, so um, if I know the answer, I'll try to answer or send them links where the answers are. And um, you know, but at the same time, everyone should try to make an effort uh, to to learn the basics of these things and uh, and learn for themselves because we are engaged in the transactions in our daily life. We sign the contracts, we do payments. And the Prophet Sallallahu said that time will come that, you know, people might not worry too much about whether uh, what they earn is uh, halal or not, legal or not. 
And so we don't want to be from the people who are neg- neglecting these responsibilities, especially somebody who is ambitious and they want to make career in anything under business, accounting, management, and so on. They need to have an understanding of basics, what Islam wants uh, from them when it comes to these issues. If there is someone who wishes to learn further, what sources would you recommend? Look, there, is, there are great books. Uh, one good book uh, that I really uh, like is Understanding Islamic Finance by uh, Mohammed Ayyub. It's a really good comprehensive book that I, that I recommend. It's, 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 it's a great resource. Uh, also, a general, general book for this, Introduction to Islamic Finance by Mufti Taki Usmani. It's available online from his website. You can Google it. Uh, for somebody who is more uh, into the technicalities and so on. Um, Ayofi, uh, they, they, they have um, a, 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 a Sharia standards, uh, which you just Google and you can find all of the uh, more technical details about how to uh, do these uh, sorts of things. There, there are a lot of, lot of different online courses, a lot of different things. We have a podcast, Islamic Finance Podcast, where we go into the... Uh, whole heaps of details uh, about these things available on all of the usual places. And uh, and then finally, if somebody is really, really interested, there, there are some universities, you know, whether it's in Malaysia or, um, you know, in Qatar or in Turkey or UK, there, there, are, there are these institutions where you can do your master's and um, and learn and and i and i guess there is no harm also learning and reading other things about economy about other things conventional uh, you you have to understand both sides of the coin to be able to grasp what is what's happening i understand also that you've got your own courses as well that you teach and you're right. too humble to plug them but can you briefly give us an overview as to what they are so I, I have a course uh, available, uh, some final professional development course, um, uh, runs usually online. It, start, it will have soon another, another batch coming, I think, next week or two. Um, also, uh, from time to time, I do um, more specialized courses, um, and, and I try to put them also on, on YouTube, or, or 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 have a maybe more like a private courses about different things where I just finished the course, a leadership, uh, a lead, uh, a leading with Islamic finance. What does leadership? Exploring idea of what does uh, economic leadership means, and we discussed that within a context of uh, economic model, which I uh, developed a couple of years ago. Um, uh, based on the prophetic narrations uh, framing the Islamic economic system. And what does that mean specifically in terms of the leadership? And so from time to time with some students, I, I try to just uh, create some of these uh, models uh, to help me. I like that engineering aspect. If I, I think engineering is one of those areas which I really appreciate. So I try to create some kind of a model, just help me think about uh, problems out there. One of the more interesting topics, they're all interesting, uh, related to Islamic banking or finance, is this topic of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. And uh, inshallah, I think it's a good idea to schedule another time just to have this in-depth discussion about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency from an Islamic point of view. 
What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a very uh, hot topic, very divisive topic. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a lot of different kind of uh, emotional responses to, to the topic. So I, I noticed that you've got uh, an entire series on on this topic. Yeah, yeah, I I got a series and a lot of uh, different kind of reaction to it. It's on YouTube. So, um, yeah. You've got plenty of other lectures and I says I suppose course materials on YouTube. Uh, so mm-hmm. you're too humble to sort of uh, mention this, but I'm mentioning it for everyone. Uh, it's available there if someone wants to have a look and, and see what else is available. Uh, they may do so. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any last words, final comments? Thank you very much for your time and inviting me. Always pleasure um, to talk about different things, even though it's not Arturul or related. <laughs> The air troll episode away is the most popular episode that we have until now. It's it's number one. Oh, good. Alhamdulillah. It's good to hear. Uh, Osman third season started last night. I watched the first episode, so it's. Um, I think it should be up there. They did a really good job with this second and third season. Looks like. Yeah. So uh, once again, we thank you for your time and uh, we wish all the listeners the best. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam.